A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast with stories and information about the weather, climate, and other scientific endeavors that really are meant to help share our expertise here at AccuWeather and expertise from around the world to help you navigate and weather-proof your life. I'm your host, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore, fresh back from vacation. And I just want to do a little note that you may remember at the end of the last podcast, we mentioned that we may do a Q&A episode with the three Ds. We just couldn't get that schedule worked out. We've got another great topic in our first race of focus segment this week, though. And it's certainly something that I can relate to after just going down to Florida, where they're certainly in a different place in terms of the things that are flowering and the trees. And then I was in D.C. for a little bit and then back to western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, spent a day or so there. So my allergies are all over the map. And certainly allergies at the forefront here as we get into the spring and summer with the trees and the pollen and uh, the mold situations and all of that aspect of it. And then there's other studies now that these seasonal allergy seasons are really lasting longer for folks as we see uh, the evidence of climate change. So all of these things are certainly things that we are going to talk about in our first race of focus segment today, spring allergies and more. And then one of the D's that were supposed to be with us this week, uh, Dave Dombeck will join us. Uh, The two double D's will be here to talk about what is not uh, the most pleasant of forecasts for the weekend in some areas, but a huge warm-up on the way as spring fast-forwards into summer in some places next week. Friends, sit back, relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. I've been personally dealing with allergies since I was a kid. We couldn't figure out why I always got sick at Christmas when the Christmas tree went up or why there were certain times and certain animals and things. I mean, we finally figured it out that I had allergies, but even back then in the 1970s, immunology and the study of allergies and what was known about them wasn't as great as it is now. And, and certainly, as we've been uh, dealing with the allergies in the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, a lot of great strides have been made and certainly a lot of work to be done. But we've been talking about allergies, especially as it relates to masks with COVID and also in terms of climate change. Are those seasonal allergies that we've been feeling lasting longer starting earlier and and lasting longer into the season. We're joined now by the CEO and president of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, Kenneth Mendez, to talk about these issues and more on Everything Under the Sun. Kenny, it's great to have you with us. Look, um, I am in my mid-50s, and I I grew up with allergies. Um, Very early on, I went to an immunologist and had to get treatment uh, and um, uh, immunology shots as early as... uh, uh, five, six years old. So I'm very familiar with allergies. They've been part of my life. They've been ruling it at times, but uh, certainly over the years found ways to combat it. And some interesting things here as we get into seasonal allergy season, these uh, times of the years when the amounts of pollen in the air spike up. There's uh, certainly some things we want to talk about here in the spring season. Great to have you with us. Let's talk a little bit 
quickly about the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. And and really, uh, if you're just reading the mission, it's dedicated to saving lives, reducing the burden of diseases for people with asthma and allergies through support, advocacy, education, and research. Uh, Kenny, it, it, it's a, it's an amazing situation because I know, you know, what, 50 million people in the United States at least suffer from allergies? Is that a number that I read? Yes, definitely. And you and I are probably two of those 50 million, Mm. I think. And and we are the oldest and largest patient organization dedicated um, to asthma and allergies. And one of the things that we have on our website, uh, which is aafa.org, afa.org, is an online community and it's completely free to join. But we've got a lot of information there to support anyone with asthma and allergies, whether it's uh, seasonal pollen allergies or whether it's food allergies, you could go to our website there and we have an active online community. This was established well before Facebook. It's moderated by staff. We've got a medical scientific council. So if you've got questions, you could ask there. Um, So that's one of the services, programmatic services we provide to the community as a nonprofit. Right. And and again, there there are several types of allergies, drug, medicine, uh, food allergies, allergies to insects, especially their stings or their bites, allergies to latex, which obviously in this new world we're living in the pandemic is uh, certainly problematic, uh, allergies to mold, allergies to, and this one's the one that was big for me as a kid, pets, uh, not only the urine, but the saliva, but also dander, not the hair. It's that little flaky skin that uh, comes off pets. And that's what really was a a big allergen for me as I was growing up and certainly have been able to conquer that and and live with it. Have two cats now and seem to be okay. So for people, there's life after allergies. And so for other people, there's just trying to get through it. A couple of things I wanted to talk about and and something that I've been reading and there's a debate about, and I know for me in the pandemic, uh, wearing the mask has been problematic at times because I feel, you know, where I'm in a situation where I'm feeling pretty good and then I have to throw the mask on. I feel like I'm sneezing a little bit more. I feel to me sometimes like it traps those allergens in a little bit more or less Kenny, have we done any studies or do we have any any uh, anecdotal evidence to say one way or the other, whether that's true or not? Well, I don't know whether there, there have been any studies on pollen being trapped inside and then having an impact on you. I mean, we look at it in the reversed way, which is when you're wearing a mask, um, it prevents uh, you know pollen from getting into your nasal passages uh, and then irritating your lungs and causing sneezing episodes. So the other wrinkle on the the, um, the masks is sometimes people, especially during COVID-19, and this is one of the things that we've tried to emphasize, people have said they have trouble breathing, in particular if they have asthma, if they're wearing masks. And our response to that is, if you're having trouble breathing and you have asthma and you're wearing a mask, you probably should see your specialist because your asthma is probably not well controlled. Anyone who has asthma should be able to wear a mask to protect themselves from COVID-19 and also pollen. So, I mean, I do think that the masks act as a barrier and help prevent pollen from getting into your respiratory tract, but you also, it can come in through your eyes. If you have eczema, it's on your skin, which can cause irritation, eczema, asthma, allergies, they're all related. 
uh, in terms of the the disease state. And to me, some of it is the health of the mask itself. I mean, um, you know, and then sometimes I do that and I throw it on and I start sneezing. I think, well, you know, you haven't washed this mask, Dean, in probably a week or two. And so, uh, you know, you, you may be your own worst enemy in that situation. And so, um, you know, if you're using more replaceable or, or medical type masks, that may be a different story. And maybe just, uh, you know, get a couple of masks, a cloth mask and recycle them and, 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 and make sure they're washed and stuff. So I think, you know, it can, it can go both ways. Um, so many health situations were put on hold by people over this past year with the pandemic. We're seeing a less in that as we're getting into year two of dealing with it. What's your take? Kenny, on, on allergies, have people been keeping up with the treatment of them? Have they had two more because they're spending more time at home, maybe potentially with allergens that they weren't as exposed to as much if they were bat- out in the workforce more? Uh, what Has there been any thought about that over the last year about how people are, are dealing with the pandemic and allergies together? Yeah, so that's a, that's a broad ranging question I wish I would parse in a number of areas. One is COVID-19 is still very new. So we don't have a lot of data on it yet. So the one thing I would say is office visits, for example, to allergists, and you mentioned getting shots when you were young, so did I, you know, you have to go into the office, you have to sit there, you have to stay after you get your shot. I think early in the pandemic, um, a lot of the allergists were challenged with having those kinds of immunotherapy visits. Uh, That's what they're, they're called, so allergy shots. So I think that that might have been somewhat of a setback. We don't have any data on it yet, but we know early on that going into your specialist office, which is what you should be doing if you have asthma or allergies, was challenging because um, it's a chronic condition. You couldn't manage it if you weren't there in person. However, what we have seen a little bit is we did our allergy capitals report, which, which looks at the 100 largest cities and the ones that are most challenging to live in with allergies. We pulled data which uh, includes medication usage, and then prevalence of of pollen and then prevalence of specialists. And the medication usage was down because people were staying indoors more uh, because of COVID-19. So during Uh the allergy season, they were staying indoors. So, you know, that's two ends of the spectrum because people were staying indoors more. uh, So they weren't outside as much. But now when you're staying indoors, you're more concerned about your indoor air quality. So pollen and other allergens can get indoors. So people are looking at air purifiers in their home and removing carpets and trying to have better practices indoors if they still have allergies and they will being indoors. Certainly anecdotally, uh, my partner is in the midst of uh, immunization. uh, And you're right, there was a pause there for about about four or five months, but they caught back up and they seem to be back on on track. And and that's easily done. It's not you're not throwing anything away. If you've been off track for time, you can get back on track in those treatments, right? Yes, you can. There's another thing that for those who have asthma, there's a certain treatment. It's a it's called a biologic. You get shots for asthma. And in some cases, if you can't use inhaled steroids for management, you're getting uh, shots for your asthma. And those also went on pause for a while as well. But I think those came back up much sooner than the allergy shots. I I know that people were getting them in parking lots and, you know, the doctor would somehow arrange for that, uh, the parking lot of the the clinic, because um, those you need to come up with if if you have asthma. 
You're listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. We're pleased to be joined by the CEO and president of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, or AFA, as they call it, Kenneth Mendez. And Kenny, uh, when we're looking at one subject here, we're looking at uh, a story that we just ran in the last week or so from AccuWeather.com talking about, and I kind of feeling this myself, um, with climate change and and seemingly a lengthening in the northern hemisphere of longer, better weather, the seasonal allergies are kicking in for people a little earlier and lasting a little longer. I have transitioned from where I think my worst seasonal allergies in terms of pollen and stuff uh, initially were spring. But then as I've gotten older, they've transitioned more into the fall. Fall's my worst time with ragweed oh, and yeah. goldenrod and that kind of stuff and dust. And, yeah. and, and, and with the nicer weather here in the Northeast, it seems to be lasting longer into uh, October. Even even November, we have some nice warm days that we're still seeing. I saw bees out in early November in Pennsylvania. I mean, so uh, is that something that you've noted a trend too at AFA in terms of the <clears throat> lengthening of seasonal allergy season? A absolutely. You know, there have been studies done from 1995 to 2011, the growing seasons more than doubled. So they went from 11 days to 27 days because of warmer weather. So for yours in instance in the fall, the key thing to remember there is the first frost. So the first frost is happening much later. Right. The first frost kills off the, the weeds and stops their growing, stops their pollinating. But because the first frost happens much later, then they continue to grow. They continue to send out pollen, you know, from ragweed and, and other things. And that, that is a real problem. Then what happens is because it's warmer the, in the springtime, you have tree pollen that happens much sooner. The uh, there's more intense releases of pollen overall because of uh, higher levels of carbon dioxide, which also is a function of climate change. So those more intense releases of, of pollen come from the plants thriving off more carbon dioxide, and that has a direct impact on your allergies. So as I'm thinking about this, Kenny, you know, I'm 55 years old myself, so I've been dealing with allergies over the 50 years, the amazing advances, um, you know, and seeing my partner go through the process in the last five, six years to get some relief on things, the differences, um, what kind of advances can we expect in uh, allergies? There's no cure for it. We, we've certainly not been able to find a cure. We've been finding ways to help people deal with it. Are there some great advances you think that are just around the corner in people trying to fight with allergies? Yeah. I mean, again, I think that that falls into two buckets here. One is the uh, allergic rhinitis, you know, hay fever, that kind of thing. And certainly the over-the-counter over medications have improved a lot, you know, less drowsy, there are various formulations, there are nasal sprays now. So think about when you were younger and getting your allergy shots, there was probably only Benadryl, maybe. Yep, that was and it. That, and that would basically put you to sleep. Right. And certainly by the time you're in high school, given your age, you probably didn't want to take Benadryl and drive during allergy season. Right now, you still probably don't want to take medication and drive, just be aware of that. But I think there's some advances in the over-the-counter medications now with nasal sprays where you don't have to take something that'll uh, put you to sleep or make you drowsy, something like that. Then on the food allergy side, I, I think that that's where there, there have been really um, significant advances where in the same way you would get allergy shots, so it's introducing allergens, so your mm. body develops a resistance. 
there are now therapies coming about for food allergies that will be doing the same thing. So there's one just released recently for peanut allergies. It's a, pro, it's a powder, you take it over time. There are a lot more therapies for the other allergens that are coming along the, on the pike for food allergies. Kenny, you mentioned this uh, earlier, where now that more of us are spending more time indoors, and it does look like, you know, not a a vast majority of the workforce, but a a bigger number will stay now working from home. So indoor air quality is becoming more at a premium. So maybe talk to me about a couple of things uh, that AFA and other folks are have initiatives about trying to improve indoor air quality. Sure. We spend over 90% of our time indoors, according to the EPA, and certainly with COVID, it's probably been a lot more than that. So when you're indoors, um, you've got uh, dust mites, you've got pet allergens. They're all those things that affect your your breathing, your allergies, and your asthma. So uh, one of the things we always recommend is having a, a HEPA filter on your HVAC system, HEPA vacuum cleaners. And we've got um, a certified asthma and allergy-friendly program where we make sure that the products there live up to what they're saying they're doing in terms of cleaning up the allergens in your home environment. So having an air purifier, using a HEPA vacuum cleaner, washing your sheets at high temperatures on a regular basis are really important when you're indoors, making sure that you don't have your pet sleeping in your in the same room that you're at you're in um, would be uh, really important if you have asthma and allergies. You know, um, I think Kenny, we could talk for hours here. There's so many things to talk about. And and there's so much great information about this on your website. Tell people how that they can access all this information about uh, subjects about allergies that uh, they might want to learn about. Yeah. Thank you, Dean. If you go to AFA.org, A-A-F-A.org, there's plenty of information there slash join. You could join. And um, there's a moderated community in there completely free. You could post questions. Um, it's not as um, exposed as Facebook, although we also have a, you know, a Facebook page, but um, that's our AFA.org slash join community is completely free. And you could get information there if you have food allergies, if you need recipes, um, if you've got food allergies, um, all those things are available on the website. Kenny, thank you so much for spending time with us here on Everything Under the Sun. Great. Thanks for having me. You can get more information on this subject from those two articles I mentioned in AccuWeather.com. The one is titled, Does Wearing a Mask Lessen the Blow of Springtime Allergy Symptoms? And the other one, the title is Climate Change Now Causing a Longer U.S. Allergy Season. Again, those uh, stories on AccuWeather.com. And again, thanks to Kenny Mendez. And you can check out the website there from AFA at aafa.org. And you can check out those 2021 list of allergy capitals, the most challenging places to live with allergies. It's been challenging to live with spring in some areas that have felt more like winter over the past week. Our friend Dave Dombeck joins us up next to talk about the weekend ahead and the week beyond. This is Everything Under the Sun, Spring Series Episode 6 from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Episode 6 of our Spring 2021 series, just finishing up our talk about allergies, and uh, certainly can relate to that, although... um, 
the allergies, I think, were put aside here over the last couple of days in parts of the country that went from, uh, well, uh, a summer preview into winter again. And it looks like some of those same areas will get back to summer by the middle of next week. It's crazy out there, topsy-turvy. And I want to sort some of that out with our good friend, AccuWeather Meteorologist Dave Dumbeck, who joins us on our look at the weekend ahead and the week beyond. Dave, uh, as I mentioned up front, uh, we, we're getting to that uh, situation. We're going to try to do a 3Ds uh, a segment with the questions and answers. And I know we just had a little scheduling situation that we couldn't get it done this week. But we'll get to that soon. But it's good to have at least the two double D's on, Dave Dombeck, Dean DeVore. We're both very avid gardeners, friends. Uh, we both like our plants and talk a lot about uh, behind the scenes with that with each other. And uh, certainly we had to do some protecting of some things. Uh, uh, I actually fared pretty well with the cold snap overnight. This uh, this recent cold snap here in central PA, uh, the tulips got a little wilty, but uh, I think everything was pretty good. I think the wind being up kept uh, things a, a little bit better than they would have been if it would have been still in cold. But I'll tell you what, there's folks out in like um, Detroit, three and a half inches of snow this past week. Chicago got blasted. You know, it reminds me a lot of that big cold shot that we saw in February that just kind of bowling balled down. And then just as quickly, Dave, it's kind of retreating back to Canada. This has been a trend here with these cold shots over the winter and here in the spring cold shot. Yeah, no, this one was, this is pretty impressive. And in fact, I think this is the coldest uh, you're going to see it now, um, maybe until November in a lot of places uh, in the in the Midwest and, and the Northeast. Uh, but yeah, very impressive uh, cold. And like I said, with the wind and everything, uh, I don't know how well I fared because <laughs> I, we have big um, lilac bushes. Right. Last year, I lost everything. There was not one lilac that survived. And I, I don't know. I like took a quick glance at them this morning. They look kind of wilty. So I don't know if I'm going to make it or some of them survive. And I also have a cherry, uh, sour cherry tree that's down, you know, down farther in my yard that has blossomed. So I don't know. It's going right. to be tough. Yeah. The, the hydrangeas didn't blossoms. The thing that hurt us last year, we had those two shots. Remember we had that shot in yep. April and then we recovered a little bit. But we had a shot of really cold in May last year mm-hmm. here in the Northeast. Now, like you, I was looking uh, at Paul Pasolak's long range stuff in our in our system and looking ahead. I don't I, I agree with you. I think this may be the last of the real hurrahs of what is considered Arctic air to kind of plunge down from Canada and the hinterlands to us. It looks like there's, you know, there's. May is May in the in the northern hemisphere, and there may be a little push, but it just didn't look like anything gets that deep. And if it did, uh, the pattern with nothing's locking in. We're getting to me, Dave, we're in a pattern where we're getting like three, four, five days now of kind of similar stuff with some peaks and valleys, uh, some some real mm-hmm. chilly valleys and then some peaks of warmth. And we're going to get another one of those. So all these places where folks were shivering their timbers this last week. They're going to start sweating by the middle of next week. It's a real big warm up. This kind of contrast is amazing. Yeah, well, it's it's so it's classic. It's uh, the roller coaster ride of, of the time of the year. It's a very challenging time. It's a fun time to be forecasting temperatures, but it is very challenging and it's very um, you know very common. I mean, this is nothing that we haven't seen you know umpteen times before. Uh, the big swings in temperature back and forth. But my rule of thumb, Dean, generally going through the you know the spring months of March, April, and May, March 
And certainly in the Northeast, you know, there's going to be many more lousy days than there are nice days. You've right. got a few here and there, but, you know, the right. lousy days are weighing out. April, it's kind of a split, you know, even get back and forth. And by the time you get to May, most years anyway, there's exceptions, but most years, the nicer days, the warmer days are winning out over the lousy days. But uh, D- Dave, do you think now we had this a little bit of a discussion in the last segment when we were talking about seasonal allergies. Um, but do you think that with the climate change that we're seeing, and this is not an argument about whether that's man-made or not, this is this is about the trends and multi-decadal trends. I mean, from what I've been looking at it over 50 years and maybe really studying it closely for about 40 years, it does seem like we're starting to get more nicer days earlier in that cycle and we're holding on to nicer days longer and we're getting more of these flips. I, I know we do tend to flip, but we're getting huge flips. And and the, and the thing that just it, it nothing seems to lock in, you know, we're not getting that uh, three, four week pattern or two, three week pattern. We don't even get them in the summer that much anymore, where we have the big Bermuda highs that we used to build in in the 60s, 70s and 80s of, of long stretches of of similar weather. Mm-hmm. It's it just I, I see those fleeting more. And, and then, you know, maybe maybe some of that shifting a little bit in the positive. I think it's better weather longer for longer periods. I mean, if you think that the warmer and drier is better, I don't know, just some observations that I've had over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about allergies and everything. And and this could just be a a case where I think personally myself, I mean, I remember as a kid getting, you know, really many days, like in May and June, watery eyes, runny nose and everything. And I really, you know, dealt with it with the grass pollen a lot. It was really Mm. focused in that, that late spring and early summer. And then I was fine the rest of the season, but the older I've gotten, I've, I don't have as much of an issue with that. So, I mean, that could just be, I'm getting old. I'm growing out of it. I mean, I had, I had, and we talked about this in the other segment, I was desensitized for allergies early on because they were bad for me. Um, as I've gotten older, my fall allergies tend to be worse than the spring ones in terms mm. of the ragweed and the, and that and that time of year. And by the I think the dust and stuff when we get to it. Um, let's just take a couple of minutes here as we've kibitzed and, and just look at the weather real quick for this upcoming weekend. We're looking at a kind of a transition now out of the cold. Uh, it may get a little wet at times along the eastern third of the country. Um, right now, it looks like, you know, Northeast Saturday's a pretty good day. In fact, that could be some of the warmest weather for the last few days, you know, coming up close to 70 New York and even to Boston mm-hmm. before some rain moves in. Then as we get into Saturday night and Sunday in those areas, it looks like the steadiest rain and some thunderstorms down in the southeast here as we go through that time frame as well. And then you go west of the Mississippi and it's a lot of dryness in the middle of the country till you get out along the West Coast. And then there's some storminess out there. So cooler than average still, though. Chills hanging on here. This uh, winter hangover is not going away through the weekend yet. It's going to have to wait to the early part or middle part of next week before it gets warm. Right. 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 And that that storm you had mentioned, uh, Dean, for the uh, for the kind of the latter part of the weekend or, or at least the middle part of the weekend, let's say like Saturday night, maybe into part of Sunday and in, in, in along the eastern seaboard. Uh, that looks like it's a fairly juicy system, maybe a, what, a, a half an inch to an inch of rain out of that. Uh, in some so areas, like yeah, fairly- mid-Atlantic states, yeah, I think, right? Yeah. New York down to, to Philly and, and, and the Delmarva and those areas. Sure. And and, and south of the of the storm track, uh, of the actual low-pressure track, is uh, 
I, I think you got a pretty high potential for some nasty storms across the southeast uh, for a time this weekend. Some right. some pretty uh, gusty and strong, maybe severe thunderstorms down that way. Right, absolutely uh, in that warm sector for sure. Um, then and the storm out west. I mean, we're talking about some elevational snow, uh, but really in the in the very highest elevations now, the Sierra Nevada and those areas, a lot of rain though. I wish we could get, you know, we talk about that going back to the east. We need some rain. Uh, we, we need some moisture. Uh, the ground, I, I'm having to water, I think, a lot more in the spring already for some of these uh, spring flowers and stuff that are coming up than, uh, than I think I should be this time of year. We could use a little bit more than just that half an inch in some of these places here in the Northeast, especially. Well, the other thing, too, Dean, is you keep in mind, you know, with the lengthening days, rapidly uh, increasing daylight now basically two and a half to three minutes a day, uh, daylight a day we're gaining. Um, and the, you know, longer days and the, and the normal temperatures going up rapidly, your evaporation rates uh, are, are climbing. So, you know, you, you, you need more rain just to maintain itself because of the evaporation rates going up this time of the year. So warming up along the Western uh, West coast there, that warmth folks is going to make its way by early to middle of next week. And, you know, some of the temperatures could be what, 20, 30, almost 40 degrees higher. We're talking about widespread seventies and eighties, Nashville, Omaha, Chicago, Raleigh, Philly, even New York city could get to around 80 or so on Wednesday. That's quite a flip around from where we were uh, just a, a few days ago. How many times we've seen that in the past, Dean, you know, like, especially, you know, early in mid spring when you get, you get an early season, you get, you get a late season snowstorm, a snow right. event, and then you know, five days later, it's 80 degrees. I mean, that, that stuff happens this time of year. Well, it's that rubber band uh, kind of theory of meteorology. You pull f- um, one direction and it snaps back. Now, the good news is I think it looks like these really big undulations as I said, and, and Dave and I said mm-hmm. at the beginning, kind of ease out a little bit. We're going to get changes. You're going to have a you know a huge warm up, but then it's going to cool off. Maybe get a little storm or two, but it doesn't seem like the snaps or the or the the the, the differences look as great going forward uh, as they have been the last couple of weeks, where we've really been seesawing. Yeah, no, that's then, and that's that kind of again comes with the territory as uh, finally it starts mm-hmm. to you know, moderate and warm up some, you know, up across the north and Canada and so forth. And so generally, you know, your extreme flips are not as as, as extreme, but we, you know, we're still going to have a roller coaster ride. There still will be ups and downs for sure, regardless in the month of May going forward. Well, one nice thing is the sun's up longer. It's more intense. We're getting close to the uh, end of solar spring and start a solar summer and uh, things are cooking along here. So Dave, uh, hopefully we'll be cooking things out of our garden here towards the end of the summer that we uh, get planted here. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, Take care. Thanks for being with us on Everything Under the Sun. You bet. My pleasure, Dean. That'll do it for this week's episode as we uh, get into next week's episode seven, our spring series of Everything Under the Sun, an important topic to tackle and one that we really need to make folks aware of as we get ready for May 1st and it's National Heat Stroke Day. We're particularly concerned about a growing trend of pediatric vehicular heat stroke situations where folks are leaving youngsters unattended in cars and having devastating consequences. Some tips about it and how you can prevent it and what you do if you're in a situation where you see it occurring. That's in our episode next week on Everything Under the Sun. For our guests... 
Kenny Mendez from AFA and our own Dave Dombeck and our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb. And for our hundreds of team members across the globe working every day to weatherproof your life from AccuWeather, AccuWeather.com, our network, and all our great media partners. For all of us, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next week, Episode 7 of our spring series. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com.